the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Intelligent. Conservative. The answer. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Welcome to tonight's Andrea K show. <laughs> Y'all hear me? Is this mic on? Glad to be back with you guys tonight. Look, last night I had to take the night off because the enemy had me down, y'all. He had me unable to come in. Y'all know that it's very rare for me to take a night off, particularly uh, being sick. And for me to take a night off tells y'all how bad I was. I'm not feeling particularly great tonight, so I ask for your patience in advance. If I if I sound a little less than myself, a little less than my typical energy, that's why. But I got my uh, Mondo, my ultra nuclear MAGA size of Tylenol here, uh, unpaid sponsor, by the way. Shouldn't have mentioned them. Acetaminophen here. Got my cup of joe here. Um, got my water, my agua here. I am ready. I am down and ready for to bring you guys two hours of great radio because guess who's on the show tonight? There ain't one, no way I was going to sit at home when I had an opportunity to talk to the one and only Peter Navarro, who is going to be here. Peter Navarro has done an autopsy of what happened in the White House, and he has got a new book out where he is going to tell the truth as to who within the White House were the traitors who allowed the election to be stolen in 2020. He does not hold back, and I cannot wait to hear from him. This is not an indictment of Trump. We know that you Trump supporters out there uh, do support him. That's not what this is about, but it's about a, it's about a realistic evaluation of what happened because you can't solve a problem if you don't adequately identify it. And so he will be here. His book is Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and how we'll win it back. So definitely stay tuned for Peter Navarro. He will be here after the first break. Later on in the show, we've got more economic news, which is just another reason why we've got to get Trump back in the White House. The financial thought doctor, Dave Elhoff, will be here in the next hour of the show. Before I go any further, in addition to my bottle of acetaminophen, my cup of coffee, my water, and you guys, I have this man. Every night of the week here, holding down the fort, as well as he did last night with my fill-in guest host, Jennifer Kearns. Love you, girl. Thank you so much for supporting me. And thank you to this man, the one and only DJ Potato Skins. Thank you for tolerance for listening to me. <laughs> I appreciate it very much. <laughs> and that will not be the last time you hear that uh, good old coherent sound. <laughs> that was from... That was from um, miscreant Joe Biden today. I started to call him something else that starts with the B word um, because I kind of lose my filter when I'm not feeling good. Um, he spoke at the UN today. There wasn't really any sound bites 
worthy of a sitting uh, president of the United States to play for you guys if I was interested in the United Nations at all anyway, for which I'm not. They are a ridiculous governing body that does nothing but leech off the United States of America and put forth people like the president of Iran, Raisa or whatever, who is here tonight. Absolutely despicable organization, just as he's despicable. Thank you for tolerating me. Says, And you know what? They tolerated him in England, by the way. Did you see where they sat him? Where did they the, sit him? They sat him in like the nosebleed section over at Queen Elizabeth's funeral over there. The nosebleed section. Crazy. Um, I'm not really going to talk anymore about that, that funeral because I'm not really interested in that. But I did love the way a Brit completely dismantled Don Lemon over the idea of reparations. We're going to share that with you the guys. The video is even better than the audio. Oh, my gosh. But the audio is so yummy. It's so juicy. Th- that alone was worth me getting off of my sick bed and coming in tonight. Um in preface to bringing on uh, Peter Navarro to talk about taking back Trump's America, why we lost the White House and how we'll win it back, uh, we know that what is going on in regards to this Mar-a-Lago raid is an extension of what happened for five years, the weaponization of the FBI and the DOJ. You guys know it ad nauseum by now. By extension, the DOJ also includes U.S. attorneys' offices and state attorneys' general offices around the country. We have New York Attorney General Letitia James, who ran her campaign. Her political campaign was one of a promise to abuse her office, to weaponize it, to specifically go after Donald J. Trump. And so far, they hadn't come up with bupkis, right? Couldn't come up with bupkis. But I I said five years ago when he came down the escalators, actually after he got the nomination at some point, I said they're going to dig and dig and dig, not on the basis of probable cause, but on the basis of we're going to dig until we find a hammer. This is specifically the analogy I've used. We're going to dig until we find a hammer that was written off on a tax return without a receipt. And it doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small. We're going to find something that we can use to hang around his neck. And then in, 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 in the case of the Steele dossier and other things, it's like they just manufactured it. What I think they're doing in Mar-a-Lago. Here's what she had to say today. She couldn't come up with anything criminally against him. Think about this. She campaigned on the idea that she was going to come up with something. They were going to, they were going to get him indicted. They so far couldn't get him on anything criminally. Here is her announcing today the filing of a civil fraud lawsuit against Donald J. Trump, Don Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump. Skins, please play clip three. Playing the law as part of his efforts to generate profits for himself, his family, and his company. The complaint demonstrates that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat this system, thereby cheating all of us. He did this with the help of the other defendants, his children, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump, and former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg and Trump Organization controller Jeffrey McConaughey. Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization repeatedly and persistently manipulated the value of assets to induce banks to lend money to the Trump Organization on more favorable terms than would otherwise have been. Okay, yeah, enough of that, Hank. Let's think about this for a moment. 
She says that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat the system, thereby cheating all of us. Let's replace that Donald Trump with Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, inflating his net worth as vice president, trotting his kid around the world to unjustly enrich himself and his family, cheating the system and thereby cheating all of us. How much of the United States of America and our citizens been cheated through Ukraine? Is that not what's going on now? Covering up those crimes was uh, is this not some big money laundering scheme going on over there? How is it that we're sending billions of dollars over there and almost none of it's going to the military? How much is going in Zelensky's pocket? We don't know. We talk a lot about Hunter Biden and his deals with Burisma in Ukraine and his deals. He's still involved in companies that are, are part of the Chinese Communist Party. We talk very little about Brother Frank and how he's been enriched and and uh, biden's sister she goes on to say uh, as as she describes don jr ivanka and eric trump let's talk about the biden family look if donald trump falsely inflated something which i I can i can kind of predict what it would have been that maybe they got some some appraiser to come inflate an appraisal on a piece of property which happens all day every day in real estate whether commercial or, or um private property whatever i've said i've said all along, going back to Hillary Clinton, when she tried to use Colin Powell as an excuse for her, her illegal email scheme, I said, well, if Colin Powell did it, lock him up too. I'm about law and order. I'm about a, a, a criminal justice system that is actually blind. The Clinton Foundation was the greatest charity scam and fraud that was ever perpetrated on the world. $500 million was stolen from the Haitians. Independent investigators spent five hours sharing that information in detail to committees and nobody was prosecuted. Even if what about and we all know about the Hunter Biden laptop with 10 percent of the big guy. We have emails showing the grift that happened there. Not to mention the drug crimes. What we're sick and tired of is a dual system of, of laws in this country where the, the D- Department of Justice is free to persecute and prosecute and weaponize its agency at all levels of the government against people strictly for their politics. And that has to stop. Now, y'all know I love Trump, but I've been very vocal about the fact that he should have gone there scorched earth, not thinking about running for reelection and understanding he, he went there. Let me let me flip that. I said from day one, we needed to have proper expectations before he went to Washington because he faced two opposition parties. And I can love Trump, but like a parent can evaluate and said, here's where you messed up. And we got to be honest. He should have gone there saying, I'm here for one term only and made routing out the deep state, draining the swamp is number one priority because that matters more than anything else. And the fact that nobody was held accountable is one of the reasons why this it's grown. That monster has grown to where we have political prisoners in this country. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to discuss this with Peter Navarro. Uh, author of Taking Back Trump's uh, America, Why We Lost the White House, and How We Win It Back. Andrea Kay, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea Kay Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. You know what? It's probably that I hadn't had a big, fat, juicy one from Christy Cream today, why I'm not feeling... 
back to my 100%. I hadn't had a donut in a couple of days. Life is always better with donuts. <laughs> That's for sure. All right, glad to have you guys here with me tonight. Particularly, I'm glad that he's super excited to have this guest with me tonight. I, I already told you guys about it, teased it out. Peter Navarro, uh, y- y'all know who he is. What a true patriot and hero. He's one, y'all may not have known this though. He's one of only three senior White House officials who actually remained with Trump from the 2016 presidential campaign all the way to the end of his term. Let me refresh y'all's memory of what he did. He was director of the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy, served as policy coordinator for the Defense Production Act during the pandemic, and was a principal architect of Trump's tariff, trade, and tough on China policies that y'all know worked. Y'all know he's grieving right now over what's happening with the economy, and he's done another act of patriotism and writing a tell-all account. Talk about spilling the tea, babies. The book is called Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House, and How We'll win it back. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show, Peter Navarro. Hey, Andrea. You know that's my old hometown. You're, you're broadcasting from. I sure miss uh, little body surfing at OB and all of that stuff. But I'm here in the swamp. Um, things are out of control officially in the Biden's America. This book for me, Andrea, is not just a book. It is a mission. Taking back Trump's America means this not just getting the White House back for Trump in 2024, but most importantly in the short run here, in the next 50 days, we've got to focus on getting the Speaker's gavel back out of the hands of Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. taking back the House of Representatives of Congress so we can stop the damage they're doing. Andrea, you know this. Mm-hmm. The stock market's going down. The economy's going down. People's wallets and pocketbooks are shrinking rather than purchasing power. And by the way, Putin and Xi Jinping from China are running the muck around the world. That's Biden's America. Mm -hmm. I had four years in the White House with the boss. We had peace, prosperity, stability, and by the way, no inflation. Um, We got to make a change. Well, we also had a sealed border, the most secure border we ever had, in spite of the fact that the Rhino Republicans did everything to stop that from the jump. I mean, he had to try to piece it together to get five mil. By hook and by crook, he managed to scrape together five million for the border. He also was brilliant enough to work on things like the Remain in Mexico policy and the public charge uh, you know, policies there. I mean, just what he did to provide security at the border and what we see happening today is just despicable the way our country is allowed to be invaded. We know that around eight of uh, the people uh, 80 off of the terror watch list that's just the ones that we've caught that's not even including how many terrorists came came across uh, you know uh, on the you know getaway mm-hmm. right so you yeah. know uh, it, it's it's what what biden is doing in the and not biden because we all know he's 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 just a, a shell um, a cadaver at this point but it's intentional the destruction of this country and one thing i, I think that's important and why i'm loving your book so much is that we also i think I think we've got to be walking and chewing gum more. I think we've got to all be hammering. Too many Republicans want to think about the midterms, Peter Navarro, and they want to focus only on the economic situation, or maybe they want to talk about the border, but they don't want to also include in the weaponized FBI and DOJ that I said five, six years ago, pay attention to what's happening to Michael Flynn, because we're all going to be Michael Flynn. And now we've got political prisoners in jail in D.C., uh, well, I think you know this, Andrew. They put me in leg iron. Yeah, uh, <laughs> dragged you out of an airport, right? When you would have just you would have just gone in. All I did, 
All I did was uh, commit a misdemeanor, uh, according to them, which was doing my constitutional duty. Before we go there, though, I just want to tell you, you know, when I lived back in San Diego in the 80s, um, I remember Roger Hedgecock going down there, doing light up the border, and then people's heads were exploding. But if you went down there to IB, I mean, it's, it was carnage then. I can't yeah. even imagine what's happening now. Gavin Newsom doesn't give a whit about that. And I actually, there's a great story in taking back Trump's America about how that uh, uh, Mexico safe third uh, policy came about. Um, it's, we're two, it's about two years in the administration. The boss is like at his wits end trying to figure out what to do because there's always laws, Andrea. You know them that Obama and Democrat judges put in catching the lease. We, we, we were having mm-hmm. difficulty. So it's like like Navarro, what do we do? Pat Cipollone, White House Legal Counsel, what do we do? So Pat and I go up to his office and like, how about if we go do tariffs on Mexico and tell them unless they clean up their act, they're getting tariffs. And people's heads exploded for like <laughs> yeah. 24 hours. You can't do that! <laughs> Guess what? Within 24 hours, we had 20,000 Mexican troops pledged to the border and that safe third, and we parlayed that into safe third Mm-hmm. Uh, agreements with the Northern Triangle, Guatemala, Honduras, uh, and El Salvador, and it was solved. And Biden, the one of the first things he did was undo that, and he knew not what he was doing. I said on Steve Bannon's war room, the day he did that, there would be, be over a million illegals coming in within a year, and everybody said, said whoa, Navarro, you're exaggerating, that's crazy. And guess what? I'm about I'm about halfway for that projection. It's been twice that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and like San Diego, it's like always been. I, I remember, I, I don't know if you remember these days, but it, it used to be the border checkpoint when it was operable as you headed up San Diego to Ocean. Uh, yeah, it was past uh, Ocean Oceanside. Beach. Yeah, it was past Oceanside. Yeah. It was up. Yeah, that. I mean, we had the we had the the you checkpoint. Yeah, up there, and then yeah. also on the way to Temecula. Those they haven't they haven't even slowed anybody down in years in years. Well, here was here's what used to happen. I don't know if you remember us. I don't know how old you are. How long you? I came around, here early nineties. I came here early nineties okay, from LSU. This was, this was before your time, but you you'd go up there and and like. For a, like a mile before the checkpoint, there'd be all these stolen cars abandoned by the side of the road with their doors open, where the illegals had like stolen the cars in San Diego, driven up to the checkpoint. They they jump out then and they go into like in and around Pendleton and around the checkpoint, get picked up on the other side. That's the, and that was happening in the eighties. And yeah. this, this crap that's been going on, this is an invasion. And from Trump's America, it's like. This Taking Back Trump's America book spells out what we stand for, what you and I mm-hmm. horrible stand for. And the secured borders is a way of protecting the real wages of black, brown, blue-collar Americans, middle-class people who don't have to compete with, with people who don't have uh, English-speaking language skills, who, don't, who are uneducated, mm-hmm. and who drive out the, the, the people who need the jobs the most in our society. So don't even get me started on that. And so, this, well, this book, wait, when was, this well, let me interject. When was the last time you were in San Diego? Um, I was uh, with the boss on Air Force One. Uh, we came down as part of a trip associated uh, with the, the Malibu fires. 
Oh, okay, um, so yeah. It's been a long time. It's I don't know you know this. I actually ran for mayor in San Diego in no! 1992 against Susan Golding, and I lost that by about a percentage point. And if you know, the, the history could have been a little different. I think I, I dare say San Diego might be in a little better shape now on a, on a number of things if I had won that race. But yeah. you know, I, that town is my roots. I mean, I love wow. That you need to and, come back, man. You need you you need to come back. I really think that Trump actually could win California. I think he probably he might have won it. We'll talk about the election fraud in a moment. Um, but you know, MAGA is strong here in San Diego. We've the Republican Party's yeah. kind of lost some footing here over the years. It's but we've got new leadership in this kind of in some ways managed to put some systems in place to help overcome fraud attempts by the Democrats. The interesting thing here is that uh, when I first came here, my mother worked at the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office. She worked for labor, and she worked for an administrative law judge, and they used to hear knowing hire cases all day down at the um, down in downtown San Diego. They don't even try to prosecute anymore, but at the time she told me, mid-90s, she said, you know, uh, by the year 2000, every Californian will be supporting at least 10 illegals. Man, it's got to be like a hundred at this point, but in the latest, but since Biden took office, really they have intentionally kept the caravans going to Texas because they their 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 mindset is California's gone. It's a permanent Democrat voting block. We might have a few Republicans here and there, but ultimately Democrat, it, you know, it control for life. So we got to now have them go to Texas. So we've actually been kind of a little spared, and from the two million, we're kind of like the rest of the country to where they're coming across Texas, bringing their fentanyl and drug traffickers all that and being spread out we so we've been a little insulated from the latest craze well the arizona and texas mm-hmm. not so much i actually did a i'm just taking back trump's american book i'm doing the the talk show sorry i was talking to his host down in texas today and he said that that whole state which is a red state is gradually turning blue a lot mm-hmm. in part because of this immigration right. way but i'll tell you Latinos are coming home to Trump Republicanism. Right. They, 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 their values, the Latino, the, the God-fearing, God-loving, family-oriented, hard-working people, and they don't like what they're seeing from the woke progressive Democrats. And, and that's been an eye-opener. Like the Rio Grande Valley in Texas is swinging mm-hmm. to the Republican Party. So maybe there's hope. Um, for the state of California, but I'm telling you what, uh, it's, it's, it's a struggle. When yeah, oh, when yeah. I see the kinds of things. You know, when the lockdown, I, when I was in the Trump White House, I had responsibilities, uh, for the pandemic. You know, my job was, I turned like from a China Hawk trade advisor into like the quartermaster, getting all the PPE and all that stuff. And, uh, and, and, and trying to like, figure out what the lockdown situation is. I was just appalled at what people like Garcetti was doing mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in LA and, and seeing them walking and you couldn't go on the beach. It was like, it was stupid, bad economics, unhealthy, but it was woke. It was progressive. You know, they stored, destroyed San Francisco. That place is yeah. A, oh, yeah. literally a toilet now. So is so, a lot of L.A. Yeah. You know, what the, yeah. the, it, you know, I call him Mussolini, and it was all communistic crackdowns. It was, you know, here the, the, the virus was real, uh, but the exploitation of it for power was despicable and communistic. When, you, when he seized complete control over entire industries and bragged that he had the state on a dimmer switch, and you could congregate in a Walmart, but you couldn't go on 
congregate in a church. Uh, you couldn't go into a restaurant in San Diego County, Peter Navarro, but you could go into yeah. a strip club and eat a meal. I mean, that's what that was what the insanity was going on here. I want to shift gears and get into your book because I don't know how much time I have with you. And you're like me. You could talk the hind legs off a donkey and I could keep you here for two hours. But I, I want to get into your book. Um, is there yeah. any way that I can hold you over for another segment? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. We'll go for it. Okay, yeah. We're going to hold him over because when we get back, I want to get into this book. The book is Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back because he's serving up some vegetables in this book, but it's also about how we're going to take it back. And we got it. So we got to listen to this message from him, which he says accurately is a a mission, not just a book. So stay tuned. More with Peter Navarro when we get back. AK, Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show, continuing our discussion with Peter Navarro, who's, uh, I, which I did not know has deep roots into San Diego. I bet you've eaten a Roberto's taco or burrito a time or two in your day, Peter Navarro. I, I sure have. And um, one of my, there's a, there's a, there's a great, uh, Thai restaurant that I used to go to there, uh, uh, right by the airport. And uh, yeah, look, San Diego is a, a great place. Yeah, we have great, um, great food. Thai food's good here. Too. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, I ran uh, back in '92 on a platform of, of reducing our traffic congestion, make sure kids had school, and I, I lost that battle. But um, you know, it's it's a it is America's finest city, and I'm glad you're there uh, to tell speaking truth to power. That's what I'm trying to do. And this book, uh, Andrea, for me, it's not a book; it is a mission. Trump's America. I explain what that means, what deplorables mean. That you know, the more than 75 million people who voted for Trump, who Joe Biden is labeled as domestic terrorists, always stand for are an end to endless wars, secure southern borders, bringing our manufacturing base and supply chains home, and peace and prosperity. That's it. Well, let's and, uh, you know, we sh- go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, and those things are, are kind of what, you know, back in my day, I'm the daughter of two Marines born at Lejeune was kind of like what America used to have in common. Now it's grounds for impeachment in this country. Um, and we, I, I, what fascinated me about your book and I watched you on Charlie Kirk today. And by the way, you guys want to stay tuned because Charlie show comes on after mine at eight o'clock and you, you can hear the replay of Peter Navarro's interview with Charlie Kirk today. Um, but what you reveal in the book, um, I, my background before media was corporate America and we did, we, we did a whole lot of, um, you, you plan your work and work your plan. Then after you've worked your plan, you got to do an autopsy and look back and say, here's what we did. Well, here's what we did. And here's our areas of opportunity. And you lay it out in this book. You call out some people within the White House that were directly responsible for Trump losing the election. And the way you define loss is that they allowed it to get close enough to be stolen. And there are some big names that you've been willing to call out here in this book. And I think it's very brave of you. Some of these names, uh, some of y'all will recognize because I've been calling them out myself from Mad Dog Mattis to Javanka. Um, But tell everybody what you mean by this about how you know uh personnel is 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 everything and what what went wrong here and who sure well the the foundation of the taking back trump's america book starts with the reagan admonition that personnel is policy meaning that 
Um, if you want to get your own policy as a president implemented, you damn well ought to have personnel that that are enthusiastic about those policies. And then taking back Trump's America, I expand that to say that bad personnel not only creates bad policy, but also bad politics. In other words, there are too many people inside the perimeter of the White House derailing, deterring, and destroying the Trump agenda who made the election close enough to steal by doing so. I, as, a, as a daughter of Marines, let me start with, with the generals. I mean, there, there mm-hmm. were three generals there who were, in my judgment, treasonous and should have been court-martials. That was Mad Dog Mattis at the Pentagon, mm-hmm. um, H.R. McMaster, who was the uh, National Security Advisor, and then John F. Kennedy, uh, excuse me, Kelly, John F. Kelly, who uh, was the chief of staff. Now, uh, you know, Andrea, that the most important principle to maintain uh, discipline in the military is what? Obey the chain of command, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in the White House, last time I looked, the president's the commander-in-chief, and you know, I'm, I'm there for four years watching him give commands to people like Kelly and Mattis and McMaster and then Milley, uh, and and what did they do? They ignored the chain. They disobeyed the chain mm-hmm. of command. You, they did that in the military. They'd be court-martialed. They'd be in the brig for a very long time. And and I used to joke with Bob Lighthizer, the trade rep, who was pure as pure Trump as they get. Yeah, Bob would say, "Yeah, there's two kinds of people in this White House. It's the people who think they got to save the world from Trump." And then there's the people who think Trump can save the world, me and Lighthizer being in that group. Um, and we look, the, the Taking Back Trump's America book is, is interesting because I'm only one of three White House officials who's with the boss all the way from the campaign to the end. So I have that unique arc of history. And the book begins with the campaign where the day after the election, the original sin of the administration was to think somehow we could invite the rhinos, the Republican mm-hmm. name only, into the tent and help us govern. And that that was like like inviting the Viet Cong into Saigon <laughs> to, to help help fight the war. I mean, it just wasn't going to work. So you had I, I named names. I named a lot of names. There were a lot of great people in the administration, and this is my dream cabinet at the end. But the do do people. Who, if they never darkened the door, let's start with them. Uh, Trump would still be there if they never darkened the door of the White House. That was Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, right? The Neville Chamberlain of mm-hmm. our time. From day one, that liberal Democrat hedge fund operator from New York did nothing but back channel a friggin' communist Chinese and backstab the president on our tough on China policy. Mm-hmm. And he was just a thorn in my side. I had reported in the news screaming matches about what he was doing, but he 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 just was toxic. And as far as the other person, it's, it's Kushner, the son-in-law, yeah. which you referenced earlier. And the problem with Jared, you know, we got along well. Um, it didn't get along with Mnuchin, but Jared and I got along okay. But here's a kid, literally in his 30s, who comes in, a liberal Democrat, mm-hmm. Manhattan, knows real estate and nothing else. And he, he commands the whole portfolio of the White House, and he, he, he just screwed the China policy up uh, by back-channeling the Chinese when he should have been doing it. 
Uh, when he grabbed some of the pandemic stuff, he screwed that up. And most of all, Andrea, he screwed up the campaign. You know, I was on this, taking back, go back and taking back Trump's America, talk about how I first got in the Trump Tower War Room 2016. I'm on Trump Force One with the boss. We were like 20 people on an airplane fighting the world. We had 100 people in Trump Tower. Um, and it was lean, mean, and we won that race. Right? Fast forward to Jared's campaign. He was a de facto campaign manager, and it was the bloated Hindenburg that Hillary Clinton had put together. We, we raised more money than Biden, and he spent more money than us in the final months of the campaign. Why? Because Jared, like a monkey with a flamethrower, was burning cash yep. like, uh, it, it, like 10 months before the election. It was insane. It's insane. Everything, yeah, I mean, he was, well, I mean, you know, you, I get that Trump, Trump didn't have a machine to take with him to D.C. I also think, so, you know, and and then when you don't have a machine to take with you, you you know, you feel, I guess he felt compelled to, you know, bring in the rhinos. Uh, I think he was naive. I think he felt how he had built his, how he had built his empire was working with people that, you know, that didn't share his beliefs and he managed to get things done. I come out of corporate America. I can understand that, but that's not what we have going on in D.C. We do not have an equal desire to solve problems in D.C. What we have is one party and some in the uniparty that includes establishment Republicans that actually like to manufacture problems and centralize power into D.C. They're not about solving it. And I think he was naive in some sense. And I think he felt like he had to surround himself with what he perceived were loyalists. And they were and, you know, Jared Kushner, you know, was loyal to his ideology, not to, you know, uh, getting Trump reelected. And I think that he and what what I'd like to know is whether or not you think that going forward that he's prepared to make changes that he understands the mistakes that he made with personnel and that he's prepared to make changes. Yeah, there's no question about that. Most of the personnel choices, the bad ones, were front-loaded in the first part yeah. of the administration. Yeah, good point. There's a, there's, a, there's a great story in the Taking Back Trump's America book about him and I sitting in the Roosevelt Room, the iconic Roosevelt, the West Wing, early in 2017, a few months in, he's, He's chomping at the bit to get our trade tariff policy going. He's like, what the hell's going on? He assembles most of the cabinet in the Roosevelt room that day, along with the top officials in the West Wing, like Gary Cohn and Goldman Sachs running the the economic policy. And he he would go around the table to talk about how we could move the, the, the policy. And by the end, there's only two people in the Roosevelt room who support his trade and tariff policy is me and him. And he looks around, his eyebrows kind of go up. It's kind of like an epiphany. And it's like, Houston, we got a problem here. And, and from that day, we started to move things a lot faster. But it, he, it, it's just, he trusted people to put in place uh, and, and obey him. You know, obey the command and she instead he got a bunch of rogue agents who was Rex Tillerson, Exxon's Tillerson. Yeah. A, a Secretary of State. I mean, that was insane. Sonny Purdue, Secretary of Agriculture. I mean, that guy 
He was just adamantly opposed to doing anything tough on China. Well, and well so, right. And well, so who? Went. Well, excuse me for interrupting. I've only got a few minutes left. You, I want to make sure I get in questions. I know the listeners are going to have. You know, let's talk about Christopher Ray. I mean, who put and Jeff oh, Sessions. I mean, Jeff. Se- yeah. You know, I, I'm from the I'm from the South, Peter Navarro, and I could have told yeah. you from the beginning that that Jeff Sessions yeah. was just going to yeah. he was going to yeah. hand that hat over to the people because he was just yeah. concerned they yeah. weren't going to like him. <laughs> well, let me tell you about Jeff. I, I love Jeff. I, I think he's a good man. But as I write in Taking Back Trump's America, he didn't blow over at justice. They ate that guy alive. He didn't have the, the intellect or backbone for that. i tell you what. If, if, and I write this in Taking Back Trump's America. If Jeff Sessions had simply put and put his secretary of the Department of Homeland Security mm-hmm. to clean the border up and get the wall built, he would have served for four years honorably. Yeah. I mean, that was a total mismatch. And instead, we get Bill Barr in there, who was supposed to crack down on the Russia hoaxes, like like uh, Jim Comey and Page and Strzok, and those those people didn't do it. Um, another mismatch. I mean, I love Ben Carson. He's a good man. He's a smart man. Why would you put him at HUD, Housing and Urban Development? That was like a slap in his face. I mean, he took it. Like a man, he's a he's a, he's a gentleman. Man, he's been on the he, show. If but... he had been, Andrew, if he had been at HHS, helping oh Florida, yeah, instead of the preening Azar, um, he went to buy all that crap that Fauci tried to feed us. And by the way, there's a whole chapter on Fauci. Where Good. I, I was the one guy in the White House that stood up. They almost got fired for it. Tell that story on my birthday <laughs> for, for taking him on, but. Um, Look, uh, now, is it true? I heard I don't know if this is urban legend, but did you actually say yeah. in one of the early meetings in 2017 with him? Did you what was it you who told Trump that he needed to kill that baby in the bed in the crib? Yes. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. Well, it was 2020. It was like the Churchill quip about the Nazi, you know, Hitler. You need to strangle that baby in the crib. It's like there's a great story in the taking back Trump's America about you know, meeting Fauci for the first time in the sit room, the situation room. I'm tasked with, with, uh, dealing with the, with the, the China travel ban, which, which Trump wanted for the safety of the American people. I go in there. I didn't know Fauci from Adam. Right. And the next thing I know, I'm in a shouting match with this little elf. And I'm thinking, and he's like, travel bans don't work. Travel bans don't like, who is this guy? Yeah. Right? And it's like, the next, that, that, I, that night, I write this memo that was prescient. I said, look, if you don't act now, mm-hmm. we're going to lose half a million Americans and spend $2 trillion um, in, in, in uh, problems with the economy. Right? The next day, they flipped on it. But after I met Fauci that day, I went to the boss and said, look, he's stupid and he's going to stick knives in your back and you ought to get rid of him. And I yeah. told him on two occasions, I said, fire that guy. Yeah, That's he not need- urban legend. Yeah, Trump said, had too many people. Boss. Yeah, I don't blame him for not taking my advice. I mean, he had, had well. the whole health care bureaucracy telling him that Fauci walked on water. But boy, that was a, a, a bad, bad thing. And Fauci, that guy... He he and the communist Chinese are responsible for yeah. that virus, full stop. Yeah. And if we get if we take back Trump's America starting with the House of Representatives come January, he's gonna be on the hot seat um in in uh, House hearings to figure out 
just exactly what he did and when he did, and he's going to be held accountable for that. But don't get me started on the Thatcher. I know. I, 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 man, I want to hear more. I want to hear more juicy stories. I can't yeah. wait to read this book. Real quick, twenty seconds. Kellyanne Conway was she, uh, was she good in the in the administration, or was she should have never brought in the administration? And just thank you for helping us win in twenty sixteen. Goodbye. Uh, she called me the unbroken thread. I had a, an affectionate relation with her. We, we were fighting the same enemies. Um, and I was sad to see her go in the last month or so before game day. We could have used her yeah. then. Okay. So I, I have nothing but nice things to say. And, and Pence? Uh, about Kellyanne. And Pence? Well, uh, Mike. Mike is, is the traitor of our time. And I like Mike. He treated me well. But come January 6th, taking back Trump's America, there's a whole story there about how he... Uh, committed treason, in my view, mm. by not it wasn't it wasn't what he did when he got to Capitol Hill that day. It was the fact that he hid what he was going to do from the president, as yeah. the vice president. He had a duty to share that that bad memo that his his uh, consigliere's Mark Short and Greg Jacobs worked up with the president, with the White yeah. House Legal Counsel, before he went up there and did what he did. He did not do that. That was treason. Peter Navarro, thank you for being here. The book is Taking Back Trump's America, Why We Lost the White House and How We'll Win It Back. I cannot wait to read this. You all better go get a copy ASAP. Buy extra. Give them out to everybody you know. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. All right. Now, God bless San Diego and say hi to uh, my fellow San Diegans back there who remember me. I will. Thank you. All right, and y'all stay tuned. We got more coming up. This is the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer, San Diego. Andrea K, telling you like it is, all while eating a donut. The Andrea K Show on The Answer, San Diego. I had no idea that Peter Navarro ran for mayor here in San Diego. You were here in 92, Skins. Do you remember that? I don't remember that at all. I was too young. I didn't care. Well, and I was also at at that time, I was really more about the national scene. That's when Bill Clinton was running for president in 92. So, you know, that that was really I was launching my my corporate sales career. Great mayor. (laughs) Okay, so remember the big mega millions, one point three billion dollars. Two people won it. They've now come forward, but anonymously. So, uh, which I think is incredibly smart. Very smart. That's the way to do it. If you're not in a state that requires you to go do a photo op, don't do it. Because let me tell you, people have gone broke that were worth billions of dollars. Because especially if you got to share it, right? I remember back when I was a kid, remember Adnan? I don't know if you remember the name Adnan Khashoggi. At one point, he was the richest man in the world worth $40 billion. I watched an episode of Lifestyles and the Rich and Famous about him. And um, Brooke Shields had gone over there and had some big dinner in the Middle East, and it was all very glamorous. He went broke, worth $40 billion. So you got to be careful, right? And, 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 who, and, and you know how many people know how to manage that level of money or invest it? And, and so anyway, speaking of investments and money, uh, coming up in the next hour, top of next hour, financial thought doctor Dave Elhoff will be here. Um, what would you do? What would be like the first thing you would buy if you won that lottery? I'd probably uh, buy a house and yeah. buy a house for my kids. Yeah, I'd buy a house. Maybe a couple. Right now, one of my old sorority sisters is down staying on the beach in Destin, Florida. I think that might be where I might want to buy me a condo. Redneck Not Riviera. Here in California. Redneck Riviera, baby. No, because at least I would want to get money, you know, the most for my money. Exactly. And the, the sand there is like sugar. All right, sugaroos. 
Stick around. we got another hour of the Andrea K. Show coming up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.